Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Aaron Dickey is Kentucky born and raised. At the age of good bourbon, he left to attend Washington University in St. Louis at 18. 30 years later, St. Louis is not only his home, it's headquarters to the Dickey Law Firm. A 20-year practicing attorney, Aaron is a champion of working people with occupational-related cancers and other injuries. Tonight, school is in session as we learn the ins, outs, and a few surprises about whiskey, jazz, and leadership as I sip on Old Weller Antique 107. This is straight talk you won't hear anywhere else. I'm Galen Bingham, and this is the Whiskey, Jazz, and Leadership Podcast. Cheers. That was quite the surprise there, Aaron. I'm going to tell you, I was kind of starstruck. He's a talented individual and he, you know, he's a legend in his own right. And his father was a hall of fame inductee. So, uh, you know, and sort of invented modern drumming. So thought he might be relevant to your podcast. Oh my, yes. You know, one of the things that, that you and I have connected on quite a bit is not only whiskey and bourbons, and you've, like I said, you've been the source of much of my education around the juice of the gods, but we've connected around this parenthood and being a good father, trying to be a good father and very consistent to what I said about, uh, about jazz. Uh, there's no script. There are no rules. There's a, there's a framework there, you know, some things that you've got to, you know, make sure that you nail, but there's no script. What's the similarity to whiskey, jazz leadership and, and parenthood for you? I would say uh, parenthood might be like, a, you know, a take on, uh, you know, a guitar solo or whatever. Like you start into it and then like halfway through, you're like, oh, OK, this isn't working out. I got to I got to go back and try again. Uh, so lots of trial and error and maybe more error than anything else. But uh, when you have, uh, you know, good women around you, like our wives and good daughters, uh, you know, and good sons, and then they, you know, it, it works out in the end of the day, one, one hopes. Hmm. Wow. As you think about leadership, what are some key leadership principles that you've just found to, to have proven to be true the longer you've been in this space, because there are some things that I can't say that it is an absolute, but boy, every time I show up, this just seems to, to bear itself out. Uh, mm-hmm. Are there some things that are like that for you that you, you might not have seen the proof or the evidence, but boy, I tell you, <laughs> this truth just seems to come up every time. 
maybe it's even more fundamental than leadership. It's it's more uh, I can't sell or I can't convince somebody of something that I actually don't believe in myself. And I think that could be applied to leadership, but that could be applied to almost anything too. If I am excited about something or believe in something, I'm usually pretty effective. And and if I have employees that are excited about what they're doing, then they're really effective. And if they're not, they're not. And there's you can't make them. You can't teach that. Uh, it's kind of like you can't teach tall, but you also can't teach enthusiasm. Yeah. One of the things that I know you have is kind of a leadership principle or a leadership mantra. And I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about that is this idea that Dickies don't quit no matter how hard things get. Keep going because the wind will eventually be at your back. If you keep it together, people will follow. Tell me more about that. The next part of it was kind of my description of it, but the Dickies don't quit is really what was passed on to me. And that's been going on for a couple generations. I mean, it turns out these, these Dickies that came over from, from the old world were, were stubborn, hard people that ended up working a lot in coal mines and things like that. Uh, and so they did not have um, easy lives. And, uh, you know, my parents were the first generation to get to college and, you know, took full advantage of that from Berea College in Kentucky, which is sort of a gateway uh, college. It gets people out of the mountains and into the world and, you know, has a, a couple hundred year tra tradition of that. But the, the Dickies don't quit thing, uh, it just it, you know, the explanation, I guess, is we don't always win. You know, we don't win every time we try something. Uh, but we never quit. And as long as you keep not quitting long enough, eventually things turn back in your favor, especially in these pandemic times. Um, you know, I, the metaphor I would think of is like, you know, if you've ever been swimming in the ocean and you feel that undertow dragging you out to sea, and if you get dragged out to sea far enough, you're not coming back. That's the end. Um, and so when that tide is pulling you out, you know, sometimes you're it, all you can do is just dig in, you know, as, as deep as you can and not be moved. And that's a win. Sometimes you're actually losing ground and you're actually getting slowly sucked out to sea. But as long as you don't give up or give up too much ground, then when the tide turns, you can take an advantage of that and get back into shore. The, the other thing is that the Dickies from the older generations didn't talk as much as we do now. You got Dickies don't quit. That's it. Uh, that's really good. You know, one of the things that uh, I talk about a lot is this idea that there's something to be said for just staying in the game. Uh, I can't remember. There was a musician uh, I heard say that I think they had just won a Lifetime Achievement Award. And they said, this award means that I just stuck it out. <laughs> <laughs> I just continue to stay in the game. If you stay in long enough, you get one of these. So how does that translate for you, this thing that you're doing now? Because you, you, you've been in practice with other firms. Now you're running your own firm. Uh, I can tell you from an, from an entrepreneur perspective, this entrepreneurial stuff looked a whole lot easier when it was someone else doing it. I agree with that. I, I will actually uh, credit you. You, you gave me uh, a copy of your book a few years ago. And, you know, I read through that and it was the fable approach. And the thing I love about fables, because of course, you know, Jesus taught in fables. He just, you know, they were parables. Uh, but the great thing about fables or parables, it is, it allows you to look at yourself from a different perspective and, you know, allows you to 
you know, have an honest look at yourself and you can read a fable. Like I started down your fable with the imaginary company and the problems that they're having and that kind of stuff. And I knew what you were doing. I knew you were trying to make me look at myself and look at my company. And yet I still went along for the ride. Like it's, you can even be self-aware that it's happening and then you still get the lesson. So, uh, you know, I do think realizing that maybe I would be better off uh, being in control of the message and the mission um, is what encouraged me to split off again and, and, you know, focus on the things that I do best. And how is it going so far? Is it, is it, are, are you seeing more successes than challenges or is there a wake up call? It's been good. The wake up call is the couple of weeks after, you, you know, when your wife who lovingly supported you in your decision is like, okay, now what comes next? Uh, no, things are, things are great. I, I filed several cases even last week. Uh, it, it appears that if I was holding back on my decision, looking, you know, not sure if there was going to be business to work on, there's definitely business to work on and people to represent. And unfortunately, there's no shortage of injured people and people that are you know, really hurting at this time in particular. And so it's, you know, it's just roll up your sleeves and, and get back to, to doing the thing that, that I know how to do. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, man, you, you, you have done a, a lot of things and you've certainly been a source of education for me in a lot of different areas. I, I, I would say that one of the most courageous things I've ever known you to do really doesn't have a whole lot to do with uh, the cases that I've, I'm aware of that you've taken on. The most courageous thing I've ever been exposed to you doing is you are a soccer goalie dad. And I have said that the second most courageous position on the field is goalie. The most courageous is parent of the goalie. Tell me about what, what that's like to see your daughter, who is an amazing goalie, by the way, but the way she plays with such abandonment, that's got to drive you crazy. I, I know that I couldn't be a, a, a goalie parent. Well, like anything else, you, you can get used to almost anything. You know, yes, early on, it's, it's definitely if you didn't bring your thumbs to the game, then you notice. Uh, but at this point, and, and anybody who plays goalie, you know, in any sport that has a goalie, the first thing they get, it's almost like a shooter in basketball. Like they have amnesia after a while. Like they don't remember that, you know, they're really good shooters and they're really good goalies. They don't remember the last shot. You know, they just are focused on right now. You know, I've enjoyed watching her grow and it's been, you know, this senior season for her you know, it's been a bit of a struggle and the, the game we played against you guys, you know, she stopped two penalty kicks, but it wasn't enough, you know? So it, it just is what it is. Uh, so I think it's, it's a life lesson too, you know, and I've talked to her about that. It's about personal goals and forgetting what just happened, facing the next challenge and not allowing, you know, past mistakes or, you know, you know, not having the luck go your way, uh, hang around and affect the next shot. So it's always the next shot, whatever it is. I love it. I love it. That I mean, that sounds like a, another another Dicky mantra. 
Okay, so like I said at the top of this conversation, uh, I introduced you as almost like my my bourbon godfather. So I've got I can't let you off this conversation without asking, what are your top three or four favorite whiskeys or bourbons? What would you say are your top? Let's start in the stratosphere of what we can't get anymore. Um, the Pappy Van Winkle, the twenty year old. The the twenty year old is the one that has the sweet spot where it, it the twenty three is maybe a little too bitter. Uh, the, the fifteen is is maybe uh, you know doesn't have all the complexity. The ones that are in between that end up being rise anyway. So the which is not my favorite. So the the Pappy Van Winkle twenty maybe the best whiskey ever made. But is it worth two thousand dollars to buy it on the secondary market? No, of course it's not. Um, I wish we could go back and have uh, the world not be so interested in, in in our little hobby, and it would be easier to find this good stuff. But for stuff that you know you can actually find in in your local store now and again, the I.W. Harper fifteen year is an amazing whiskey, and it also comes in sort of a retro golden era depression glass bottle that's that's kind of cool uh that you want to keep afterwards and i know we talked about earlier that i actually like the bottle part of it too but i i like anything from if we're talking about re, you know things you can find you can occasionally find blantons i've got a personal connection to blantons uh in that that was my grandfather's drink of choice uh, you know, he had some stories about that one. And my favorite one was, uh, you know, when he told us when we were kids, he's like, you know, if you drink enough Blanton's, the horse on top of the bottle will run. And we were like, oh, that's funny, you know, whatever. And, you know, didn't realize what he meant by that. And he actually spoke in a lot of riddles. His few, you know, he said few, few words, and usually there was several layers to it. So I'm on a tour at Buffalo Trace Distillery, like 20 years later, and they're explaining how if you collect the tops of the bottles and spell out, you know, Blanton's, and obviously there's two ends, but it's different, different ends, uh, you get the eight positions of the gallop. So if you collect all, you know, eight of those, then you, the horse will run, it'll gallop for you. Um, and so that kind of hit me between the forehead. Then 20 years later, he's, you know, been buried for a good long while. And, it, you know, it, it finally made sense. Wow. That that's great. I mean, he's coming back and still and still giving you wisdom. And then, you know, as far as your your very accessible ones that are really good, four roses, small batch or four roses, single barrel. Those are awesome, especially for the price point. And then you almost can't beat Eagle Rare, uh, which is another Buffalo Trace Distillery you know, product. that's you know, about four years old, you know, for for an excellent bourbon. It's it's at a very low price point. Well, fantastic. I just um, I enjoyed some Eagle Rare myself here recently, and I've got I've got one bottle left that uh, I'm going to crack open as we uh, get ready to graduate our daughters and definitely toast to that. Uh, But, man, I have just really, really enjoyed this conversation. This podcast would not seem complete at all without having you on here. So I just really appreciate not only to to personally be here and, and kind of bless the bourbon end uh, of this conversation, but to actually bring my first jazz musician, jazz legend onto the show. Dude, I just I don't know. I don't, I'm not going to be able to go to sleep tonight. <laughs> 
Well, we'll have to get you uh, in touch with the Rockville or Rockville Farms bottle, and uh, we'll 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 reach out to to Craig Holiday Haynes and and see if he if he can't give us some some more thoughts and wisdom, and uh, and uh, maybe talk to a few of his friends. Fantastic! Hey, w- one of the things I've promised to my audience is that I would share with them not only my perspective on whiskey, jazz and leadership, but then I would bring in some of my friends uh, who uh, know a lot about the three of these and just kind of tie up some gems, some some parting advice that they can take with them and, and, and go out and enjoy, either be more effective in their work or enjoy their life better. What's one or two parting words that you would share with anyone listening to this episode never quit and if you just hang in there long enough uh you know the the powers of the the universe and the the faith uh that that is out there and and your friends and family will be there to support you and carry you back to shore at some point ah fantastic i think that's a great a great place to end this conversation with that uh let's cheers let's toast out all right All right, man. Thanks. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.